Hey everybody and welcome to Survive HR. I know it's been a while since we've done a show. We took a brief hiatus. Actually, it was a year that we took off. Um, actually, Kelly, she's a busy lady. She's got a new job. She works at Crunchbase now. She is, um, of course, deal. the mother of, of, of five children. And she's, hey, the big news is that she's getting a PhD. She may not want anybody to know that, but she's getting a PhD. And guess where she's getting it? At Anderson University. So she's in the PhD program and she actually likes it. So she's not endorsing it. I'm endorsing it for her. Uh, but if you see her on the street, congratulate her. Uh, ask her how she likes the program. And uh, maybe you can come into a master's or a PhD program as well. But, you know, she was the young gun on the show and I'm the old guy. And so... What I said is, a heck, why don't we go out and get an even younger person on the show? And so I'm really, really happy to have someone. She's probably not nearly as contentious as Kelly would be or argumentative as Kelly would be, but uh, she knows me pretty well. She's going to be a great, she's a great up and coming HR superstar. Her name is Anna Nail. Same last name. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hello. Yes, he's my dad. That is how we are related. I'm really excited to be on here with you, Dad. Well, it's good to have you. And, you know, there's lots of things happening. HR is not a static mm -hmm. uh, profession at all. There's always something new going on. And it really interests me. And, of course, you're a young, you know, a young employee. And so uh, that'll give us great insight into, into some of the things, maybe even that we're going to talk about today. But you know, last year at this time, employment was booming. Uh, I was talking about a recession. I'm still talking about a recession because I believe one's going to happen. Um, and we've seen signs of that, but the, but, but the employment's still good in most of the sectors other than, say, technology. We're seeing some slowdown in the, mar in the manufacturing side. But it's interesting, last year's pay increases, uh, as I understand it from a Sherman report that just came out, I think, last week, it was at 4 point three percent for the year and you know I, I i do not expect it to be that high this year but i know hay came out uh with a study just a couple of weeks ago maybe that talked about um people are expecting pay raises and i don't know as a young young uh, professional out there and what you're seeing with your peer group what are, are they wanting are they thinking they're going to get pay increases what are they looking at on the job right now I think it depends on the company. At the last company that I was at, we did expect kind of a bonus as part of our annual salary or some sort of um, increase as part of that. Um, I definitely think that people are expecting pay raises year over year, if not even for my age group, possibly even biannually, you know, at least that consideration for some sort of pay raise. Um, but I also think that other benefits and other forms of compensation are just as important to my age group. So in the case that a company doesn't have the ability to continue to increase pay, are there other ways that well, they can compensate for that? I mean, that's a, that's a big question. You know, we, we always have this, with the great resignation, I think uh, we may have talked about this on one of the shows, Kelly and I, but it's interesting because in today's world, Really, you got to think about what keeps employees and, you know, a big driver today, more so, I think, than in the past is pay. I think there's primarily two things, the pay and the culture of the company. And the reason pay has taken and culture are so 
dominant now is that so many of the other things like health care, for example, uh, your retirement with the 401k, we don't see pension plans. These things are portable now, so they can be carried from employer to employer. A lot of employers have the same sort of things. It's interesting because in this Hayes study that came out, 40% uh, of uh, respondents are thinking that they're going to get and expecting a pay raise of over 5%. Okay. I think that's I think that's interesting because you've got about 84% of employers that are saying we're not given 5% mm -hmm. this year. Uh, so that it's, there's going to be an unmet expectation there. And so, um, you know, it's really, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at why people are, are um, leaving jobs, according to Hay, most of them are saying they're going for higher salaries. And of course, most people, that is one way to get a higher salary. And I have to often wonder, is that, is that what you're seeing? Is that the best thing for people? I mean, I don't know. I think for younger people, right? When you're younger, me being one of those people, you don't always understand that the grass is not necessarily greener on the other side. That is something that I'm always trying to think about if I'm ever considering leaving a company. Is the grass actually going to be greener? Why am I making more money, et cetera? Um, so I'm one of those people who's always trying to think, you know, it is more than just the salary for me, although a salary increase is definitely something that um, doesn't hurt, definitely helps with the case of the company that I might be considering going to next, right? But I don't think that it's everything, uh, but I do think that it's an important consideration, especially if you are grossly underpaying your people, which I think I have seen a lot of organizations do. Um, you know, I think that there are people with master's degrees and with bachelor's degrees that are not getting paid what they deserve to be paid. And do they have a right to maybe go somewhere else to get paid more? Yeah, well, a lot of the maybe. degrees are not worth what they used to be worth, at least in the market. And I think that's being reflected in, in to some degree in what you're saying. It's, it's interesting that promotional opportunities in this Hayes study were listed as, as being 24%. Uh, so almost mm -hmm. a quarter of the reason that people left. So people are leaving for higher pay at about a 60% rate. They're leaving to get promotions and, and probably pay increases and promotion go hand in hand. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think, in, in, I think with young people particularly, but I'd say all people across all generations, and we've got more generations working right now than we've ever had. I mean, you've got people like uh, my father that's still working he's 87 mm -hmm. years old and and uh then you got people that are younger than you in the workplace so um yeah i think it's really important today more than say with the boomers who the boomers were good with hey trust me you know work hard we'll take care of you now if companies don't have a a basically a written plan or at least have some some communication to employees about uh, what it takes to be promoted, what their next step, you know, a career path, so to speak, a career path and a pay path mm -hmm. to go along with it. I think you're you're putting yourself, the employers are putting yourself at risk of losing more people than you would otherwise. I, we were actually talking about this the other day and I told you that you described it much better than I could have, but I think that that's, one thing that's been missing for me at some of the organizations that I've worked with is a clear path for advancement. 
Um, and I, in talking to other young professionals, that seems to be something that is just as important to them as pay. You know, people say a lot of things about young professionals and they only stay at a job for a year, two years, three years, can't keep them much longer than that. But really, when I've talked to some of them, they tell me I want to stay. I want to stay at my company, but I don't feel valued. I have no idea how I'm going to advance here. They haven't given me any sort of clear understanding of what that looks like. So I don't even know if I'm meeting or exceeding expectations. And so I think that, you know, maybe the past generations could have called that maybe some handholding or something. It's just that this generation, we don't necessarily want to be, you know, has my hold our hands. We just want to understand, like, do we have a career path at this organization? Somebody saying that we do does not mean the same thing as actually showing me. And then me being able to tell you, hey, I'm ready for promotion because I have this, this, and this, and this is what you told me I needed to move on to that next step. I think it's helpful for both the company and for the professionals that are working for you. I think it's also helpful to understand if managers are possibly holding anyone back. I think it's a good litmus test for managers as well to see, am I teaching them the right things, number one? Like, am I training and developing them in the right way, making sure that they have a clear path for that? And then second, it's a good litmus test to see, you know, are the managers saying they're not ready, they're not ready, they're not ready, but they've checked everything off the list to go to the next level, right? So I think that that's an important consideration. Um, would you agree or? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, folks today with the flattening of the organization, you know, back when I came into the workforce, it was much more of a hierarchy and you had the ability to move up within that hierarchy and you could kind of see the options perhaps better than you can today. I believe that people today want to be grown um, both broadly, so multiple opportunities to do various things on the job to get their experience in various areas and, and experiences, as well as deep. So in, and when I came up, it was more you would get trained in anything and you would go deep because you would be there a while, but not the breadth. But now the way to retain people uh, is to give them some sort of training, uh, some sort of experience that's a, that's that's stretches them outside of what their their knowledge base would be. So that's something that I think companies are missing are miss, missing the boat on, as well as you know one of the other things that is interesting to me is the onboard or is the branding. You know, and I, mm -hmm. I've talked about this in, in groups I've gone before and talked to about employer branding. And it's interesting to me when I ask groups, I ask a lot of HR people, I ask this question, is the company, when you're recruiting people, is the company that you portray, the brand that you portray, or the advertising in your materials uh, portrayed, is that the actual organization that you have, that people have when they get to, to into the organization. And in every one of the time, every time I've asked that, I would have no more than 25% of the, of the people in the class or in the room raise their hand. So what that tells me, and then they wonder why they have turnover. Well, they have turnover because you're selling something that doesn't exist. You're selling a culture. You're selling something that you don't really have once people get in there. And I think that 
hurts hurts organizations and every culture is different and you can change cultures and you can develop cultures but if you're selling something that doesn't truly exist then why is anyone surprised when you have people turning over within the first the first year but if you think about that aren't i mean aren't most companies when they're marketing anything aren't they being a little bit facetious sometimes in their marketing well, it's about called, their value proposition. It's called puffery when they do that. You know, they're they're puffing up the organization, but I think when it comes to, you know, you want to shoot straight. You want people to understand that this is this is what's required. This is what we're about. This is where we are. We want to get better here. We're gonna we're we're working towards this, but this is where we are right now. You want to paint a an accurate picture, portray something mm -hmm. that is a reality. As opposed to not, and I'm I'm shocked at the fact that most of these, uh, most of these companies out here will admit, in in, in an open setting that that it's not that way. So um, anyway, I think that contributes to to turnover. You know, it's interesting because if you look at the reason that people leave jobs, mm -hmm. thirty two percent of them leave because it wasn't what they expected, which is just what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. The others leave because they miss the the people and the culture of the job that they left. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. Oh, well, that's why they would, yeah, yeah. So they would regret leaving their former employer because they missed the culture of their previous job. Yeah, and I, I wrote that down too. That was something I really noticed from that study. Um, and I think that it's important to recognize that people feeling like they are a part of your company and of the culture is just as important as other aspects um you know that's when you can get people that are coming back to your organization one day yeah, the maybe they leave they come back yeah I mean, i've seen a lot of that especially with young professionals they might leave they go to school they get married or, you know you never know why they leave and they end up coming back to their old organization and I think that really just to talk briefly about where this sense of being valued really comes in I think it comes during the onboarding process initially, um, which I don't think a lot of companies do well. All right. But I think that during that onboarding process, the length of it matters, but it's also essential to making someone feel like they really are a part of the culture of the organization um, and that they are valued. I think that that's when you know it's the most important because over time, people can feel like they're part of work, they make friends, et cetera. But if they don't feel that way right from the beginning and really understanding and valuing what they are doing and then also feeling valued for their place in the organization early on, then they're going to be much more likely to leave within that year to two year period because they don't they don't really understand the importance of their role or, or feel valued outside of just their relationships at work. Yeah, I think the, the onboarding is a huge issue. I think companies don't want to take the time, invest the money. You know, they, they look at it as, hey, time is money. If I'm, if I'm or, you know, you an orientation or training you in some way or, or giving you an appreciation for another area, you're not working and therefore we're not making money off of you. But really the investment that you make in a good orientation and a, as you said, a, an elongated process, I think, an orientation should be about a year long. And I don't mean they're not working. I just mean that there's different touch points within that year um, that you you know you have ongoing kinds of orientation, training, whatever for the person 
meet, you know, meet other people within the company, meet the leadership team, whatever it is, and give them a mentor or a buddy or something like that that they can go ask questions to. I think those things really add a lot to the the onboarding experience. And and we know the the the, the studies related to this say that a a better onboarding on longer onboarding will result in a longer retention span, which is the bottom line uh, to the company because it costs money to uh, to hire, to advertise, to replace, to train new employees. Everybody that's listening to this, I think, understands that very well. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask about before we close up today is, you know, what's interesting to you or what what is it, um, you know, back when I was hired, you know, you'd care about things like a retirement plan, and about your health care plan, uh, what's important to to people today? I would really say it depends on the person because as a recruiter, I've experienced people being interested in a wide variety of benefits. It, it does depend on age. I've definitely learned that. Um, I know for me personally, uh, PTO is a big part of it. Um, I definitely just like to know, you know, that I can take that time off. I can have that personal time, um, you know, to go on vacation. You know, if something happens, I need to go to a doctor's appointment. If I, you know, anything really having that opportunity to take that time off, you know, makes me feel valued and excited to work out of place because they see the value of when I am at work, what I'm doing, but they're also giving me that time to take those personal days, right? Um, I think that the other thing that's important to me is the flexibility of my schedule. It kind of goes back to a little bit to the PTO, but it's a little bit different with, you know, I think, especially thinking about a more remote workforce, you know, people are making their own hours. They're working with their dogs around. They're working with their kids around. Um, you know, they're, they're working from the beach. They're doing lots of different things. And I think that understanding the importance of flexibility, you know, if the work is getting done, I think that that's what should matter to an employer. I don't think that where it's done, how it's done, when it's done should matter as much unless, you know, you're in a time sensitive sort of position as it does to that the work is simply getting done and it's getting done effectively. Yeah, that's that's interesting because the result, this Hay survey results that we've been referring to for most of this podcast, uh, the overwhelming, <laughs> overwhelming, um, most important thing to to the survey audience, okay, was the annual leave, mm -hmm. and they wanted more than twenty days of annual leave, mm -hmm. and many organizations do not have that off the, mm -hmm. the, the you know off the, from the get go. Uh, you have to work. For a while to get that most organizations still do that but that is that is the number one um benefit that they wanted the other thing which i think is probably important to you as well uh i think it is is the support for professional study so that means things like tuition reimbursement or getting certifications of some sort professional certifications that will help you in your career and i tell you i think companies many of them are being very short-sighted in this area because Tuition reimbursement, you can require to be paid back. I mean, there's some cases and things that might question some of that, but it's, it's you can still have, you can have a reasonable amount of time if you're not, if you don't uh, stay employed that you will have to pay that back. And so I think that is very beneficial to 
to employers and getting certifications and things like, you know, that, that relate to the job, the professional certifications. Again, uh, many tuition plans may not cover that, but I really think companies should look at it because certifications, the reasons they're good uh, and the reasons a lot of people in some aspects prefer certifications is because they know what having a certification means, whereas you do not yeah. necessarily know what a course in a college or what a major in a college, unless you're familiar with the programs and get a lot of graduates out of that, that, that you know, a, a, an accounting major or supply chain major or something like that uh, can mean different, you know, that there's a, there's a pretty wide array of quality and, and knowledge in these programs in these, these named programs, as opposed to a certification that's put on by a certain, you know, by a certification institute of some sort, whether that's in, you know, Six Sigma or, you know, whatever truck, truck uh, forklift, forklift driving or uh, SHRM or whatever it is, people know what they're getting when they get that certification. Outside of the certifications, uh, something that we've talked a lot about is mentorship programs. Uh, at one of the first companies, well, no, it was the first. The first company that I worked for outside of school, um, what I really admired and appreciated about that organization is it was much smaller than the last organization I worked for, but they were able to do a formal mentorship program. And I never re re realized, you know, how important that would really be to me um, in terms of my career. And, you know, at the time I was working in marketing and I actually wrote on the sheet, I'm interested in HR. And they mentored me in HR, knowing that they, being a small organization, probably didn't really have any positions available for me in HR, but understood that they would potentially be mentoring and training me to leave. Now that's something that not a lot of companies are willing to do, but I have this immense, uh, loyalty and respect for that organization really for various reasons but that being probably the main reason um that they were willing to train me knowing that i'd probably leave yeah no that's a very forward you know realistic way to look at things and also a way to retain people mm -hmm. uh that most organizations wouldn't think about in fact a lot of people would think of it just the opposite well if i don't train them and stuff like that then they can't go someplace else so I'll keep them and they'll be good at what they're doing. Um, it's interesting you talked about remote work and flexibility and that remote work is here to stay. Um, it's interesting, you know, 91% of the people in the Hay survey said that, uh, that they wanted remote work. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't think, I, I don't know how many, what the percentage of employers that actually have remote work is, but I think 34%, according to, again, the Hay survey went to employers as well, 34% plan on increasing it because I think they see the value in it. And I'm, I'm actually very surprised that some of the jobs you see listed as remote today, including CHROs and VPs of HR, because those are jobs that, yes, I guess they can be done, they, they obviously can be done remote, remotely, but at the same time, you would think those top level positions would need to be, you know, in the in the office area to deal with the, you know, deal with people, have the face to face meetings, all that sort of thing. But again, I'm kind of old school in that that regard. But I, I know it's here to stay. And I really think that the hybrid 
um, model is going to be probably the one that we settle in with, because I think there's some value, particularly for young people like yourself that are coming up. You need that office interaction. You need the water cooler talk. You need to see the managers, you know, and ha have come, you know, run into them and have a, a conversation off the cuff that you wouldn't have if you're sitting at home. So, um, that's, that's just my opinion. I don't know what you think. Well, what's interesting is I don't want to disagree with the survey results, but, uh, as a recruiter, you know, I actually, we've had this argument or as a previous recruiter at this point, but we used to have this argument a lot because a lot of our roles were actually moving into being fully on site. Um, one of the roles, especially being kind of like a, a call center type of role. And I was thinking. I don't think that this is going to work. I think people are going to want to work remotely. But what was interesting was at least here in our county, um, when we were talking to people, I was absolutely shocked. Um, many people were actually wanting to be on site. The reason being that they had experienced working remote and it hit a point, like hit a wall almost mm. of, I need that conversation. I need the people interaction. Working from home has its perks for sure, but I also feel like I'm tempted to go and do laundry all day or my, you know, my dog can walk in and they're bothering me. I need to go to work. You know, I need to, I need to work. I need to focus, et cetera. I was shocked um, by the number of people that were actually seeking out to be on site. So I'm not saying that remote and hybrid work isn't here to stay. I think hybrid, like you said, is most likely the model that we will adopt to in the future. I think it's almost ridiculous to not do a hybrid model because most any job I think can be done um, with maybe one to two days remote and one to two days in office, except for maybe manufacturing. Um, but I'm actually fairly surprised by the number of people that seem to be interested still in on-site work. Yeah, I mean, I like I like uh, hybrid model myself. I mean, I've now done that for seven years, um, and it's really it's really good. I used to joke people and said that I could I could work from home uh, two <laughs> days a week. They were Saturday and Sunday, but uh, yeah, I actually have worked hybrid and, and really very much. I can, I can get a lot more done actually working from home. Look, I got one last question to, yeah, I won't need your help with because I don't quite understand this, but it's interesting to me that you've got with this Hay survey, you have a uh, level of satisfaction. So people at their current job, 50% of them are satisfied. And with their current employer, you've got about 50%. And then with your current direct manager, you've got 58%, which is pretty good, right? And uh, work-life balance, 55% are satisfied with that. Um, so why do you have 60% of the people that say they're going to look for, you know, they're seriously considering leaving their current role next year. What, what, what's with that? Because you got, you know, over, you know, high, I, think, high I mean, I think we're in an interesting job market right now. You know, I think that there's a, a lot of opportunities for Candace. This might be kind of moving more over to, um, employers having a bit more control. I do think that candidates have a bit more control right now in terms of they can shop around and, you know, I think it goes back to some of those key things that we talked about salary. I think you're going to talk about those benefits, maybe not, um, you know, the work life balance or things like that. But I would say it's probably going back to all of those things, yeah. ultimately making sure that they feel fully valued, et cetera. You know, I think 
it's hard because it would be hard for me to say, do this, this, and this, and you're going to keep all the young people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't but think that's, that's ever. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be possible, but I think that, you know, one of my arguments, we've talked a lot about this, would be to do um, more consistent uh, reviews. You know, meetings with the managers, maybe weekly or monthly, et cetera, where they really understand kind of like where they are, where they are in terms of the promotional track, how they're doing, et cetera. I think that that's going to be the way to keep young professionals, honestly, is by keeping them informed about how they are doing um, in terms of, and, you know, and where they are going, if you have an idea. Have you ever felt over communicated with? No. I didn't think so. I've never met anybody that's been over communicated with. I think it's, I think we as HR professionals oftentimes think that we have done a great job of communicating. And actually, I would say that, uh, you know, from personal experiences that no matter how well we think we communicate, uh, we're, we're not. So you, you can't really over communicate, but I tell you, it's going to be interesting. The HR, HR is, I have high respect for people in HR because it's a very difficult role. Is constantly changing. It's a thankless job, generally speaking, um, and you've got really good people that do it that are oftentimes underappreciated. It's getting, it's not getting easier. It's getting complex. There's, there's things are changing. You know, we're out of COVID now. Uh, you know, some of the there's there's workforce participation is going back up a little bit, but we still have job shortages. So there's going to be challenges, and I'm sure the economy will be a challenge, or pieces of the economy will be a challenge as we go forward. But hey, it was great spending time with you today. I want to say, hey, if you're listening to this, and if you your organization would like to sponsor the show, let us know. <laughs> uh, you can reach out to myself or uh, Anna, and uh, let us know that you're kind of interesting interested in sponsoring the show, we'd be happy to have you on um, and have you sponsor. So with that, I'm going to say we are over for this session. We'll be back uh, shortly. We're going to get these going again, and you'll have at least one per month on HR, uh, just uh, um, uh, Survive HR, whether or not you like it or not. We I was a lot less argumentative than Kelly. You were a lot less. If this is going to be as interesting. You may not lose quite as much hair as I lost with Kelly. My hair was just falling out. Well, of we have too many listeners. I don't know. Let's see. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Bye.